welcome back to Everything You Need Is Within the Archive series, hosted by me, Gigi Robinson. Welcome to week 12, can't believe it's week 12 already here, of Everything You Need Is Within. It's episode 12, week 12. I do one per week. And this week I have a very special guest. She's also a USC student. Her name is Kavita and she um, is working with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So today all of the proceeds from this live are going to go towards her campaign. Um, she's running for Woman of the Year and I'm just going to pull her up here. So... Oh, there Still we go. Connecting now. <laughs> I think you're here. Hello. Yeah. Um, Hi. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Um, thank you so much for coming on to my show today. I was just telling everyone I put a little fundraiser button on here to uh, if anyone feels like donating uh, to the LLSUSA um, nonprofit or organization, they can. Um, so I hope that that helps you, but without further ado, please tell us who are you? What is your mission? Um, briefly. Yeah, of course. Well, first I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, and thank you for adding the LLS fundraising, um, page onto this live. You can also donate through my link in bio, um, and that, those funds, when you donate through my website, will go directly to my Woman of the Year campaign. So that's just a shameless plug. But um, I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I'm a USC student, currently a sophomore. Um, yeah, fight on. And um, yeah, I've always been, you know, very involved in activism, very involved in social justice advocacy. And then, you know, my first semester of college, I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a very common blood cancer for young adults and adolescents. And honestly, after that, like, it felt like everything just kind of changed. Um, and, you know, it's really great now to now as a cancer survivor to use my same passion for advocacy and activism for, you know, with LLS and to eradicate disparities within cancer treatment and also to end blood cancer and to really prioritize funding of blood cancer research. So it's really great, a little bit full circle, but um, yeah. Sorry, my dog was like staring at me and I was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? But that is just, that's so incredible. And um, one, I feel so lucky to be connected to you. I saw Anika, uh, Anika's down here in yeah. the comments. So we love you, girl. Thanks for connecting us. And yeah. also, I think it's so incredible to see other USC students and other students in general advocating for and being the, the voices, really, um, when we go through these really traumatic health, you know, moments and experiences um, and diseases throughout our time in college. Um, and I'm sorry, I have to put my dog up on my bed. She's You're good. Really here. <laughs> This usually doesn't happen. Um, I don't know what her jam is today, but um, yeah. So anyway, thank you. Thank you so much for just telling us about that. And again, like Kavita is running for the LLS Woman of the Year. Tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, your, your journey really in yeah. that and what inspired that initial photo shoot for this campaign um, 
and how you're just like, you know, you, you've gotten to this incredible point. Yeah, of course. So LLS Woman of the Year campaign is a 10-week philanthropic fundraising competition. And so essentially, you know, there's a group of candidates and the ones who um, raise a certain amount of money get the title. Well, there's, you kind of compete to get the title Woman or Man of the Year. Um, and so right now I'm fundraising for LLS, which again, you can go to the link in my bio um, to access not only like where to donate, but more about me, more about LLS. Um, so it's just my general campaign website. And so, yeah, honestly, I will be honest, like it was something that was very difficult for me as the campaign launch date got closer because you think about like the hypothetical of like, okay, yeah, like this is what I'm going to do as a fundraising strategy. But then when you're also the subject of that fundraiser and it hits so close to home and like, as you know, you talk about chronic illness so publicly and it's amazing. And it's amazing to hear, you know, those who relate to you, but it's also very vulnerable. And it, you know, I didn't realize, you know, it takes a lot to do that. And so I like leading up to the campaign, I think I was just having like difficulties really figuring out how I want to put myself out there and talk about cancer um, in a way that's authentic to me in a way that respects my own boundaries. Because, um, you know, now like post treatment, um, life is so different. And I know it's going to continue to be like different. And so, um, yeah, I, I really wanted to make my campaign about, you know, my story specifically, because I know like, cancer treatment is something that affects everyone so differently. And I can only really sh share my story, but I think in doing that, um, I hoped to really start a conversation about what it's like to be diagnosed with such a, you know, destabilizing health condition at a young age and to talk about, you know, what that's like and how you navigate life as a young person when going through that. And that really is, you know, where I wanted to root the campaign. And, and those photos that I did actually were was from a beauty campaign with a beauty line um and i did it two days after receiving chemotherapy which is insane i don't know why i did that but i'm happy that i have those photos to kind of like you know always look back on and see but it definitely was for me how do i step into like someone who's always been so bold and confident, but how do I step into that same person when I'm going through something so difficult like this? And I think I just wanted to remind myself that that inner like strength and that inner beauty of like who I was is still always there. And so I think that that comes through with the photos because I still, you know, I still have this, I, don't, I might not have hair in those photos, but I have the same smile and I have, you know, just like I'm the same person. And I think it was just reassuring to, you know, look back at those photos and even be a part of such a cool campaign like that. Yeah, that everything you just said is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, you know, I, I think it's so beautiful what you said is like, you can share your own experience dealing with an illness. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be exactly how somebody else is. You can only share your experience, but in doing so and in talking about it and making work about it and running amazing fundraiser campaigns, um, like you're doing is what really does spark that conversation to raise awareness, um, not only about the disease and the illness, but also about ways to cope, ways to handle it as a student, ways to handle it, you know, in media. And I think that those are all absolutely incredible points that you touched on, which I myself really resonate with, which is why I wanted to kind of open yeah. this banter. And if you're okay with that, I would love to know, like, 
what your experience was at school with this because having a health condition at school on top of a very rigorous you know course load and whatnot can be so debilitating and cause you to burn out amongst other things amongst trying to literally like stay alive and yeah. get through and nourish your body so what was your experience yeah so when I was first diagnosed it was the almost the end of the semester I know my peers were like doing finals and at the time what was really hard is when I got my diagnosis like my first train of thought was, okay, how am I going to like manage classes? How am I going to tell all my teachers? And so I remember having to individually email all my teachers and it is like a little bit of an administrative process where yes, like some of them were really understanding obviously, but I did have like one professor that really just was like, okay, we'll either take, um, you can take the final now or, um, you know, just you're going to have to like, take I think it was called like you'll have to wait until next semester you'll have to like take a leave of absence or something it was just he was being like kind of difficult about it and so that was hard because as someone who was just diagnosed and I just wanted to move forward try to figure out like I don't know how I'm going to react to treatment I need to figure out like how to um like finish my classes so I don't have to worry about it it was kind of difficult and I wish that I knew of the services USC had prior so I think I would have done things a lot differently, but at the time, you know, whether or not things exist to help you, it's just not known to students and it wasn't known yeah. to me as quickly. Um, and then fast, so then I took a, I ended up taking a health leave uh, while receiving treatment because I felt like that was the best thing to do. It was just, yeah. the treatment was too rigorous for me to like also do school. But I do know coming back fall 2020, um, it was still really hard to manage. That was my, I was taking a full course um, and I was still like, you know, I was just freshly done from treatment and I still had a lot of scans that gave me anxiety. And so thinking about, you know, I have this scan coming up that could be life altering possibly, but I also have to study for this econ midterm. And it's like the back and forth of like, okay, school mode, but then survival mode and that how they intertwine. And it's, it get, it can be really tough. It, it's very tough. Um, but yeah, I, I think that overall there is support, I think, within campus, but it's very hard to find it and it's not always accessible. Yeah, absolutely. It it really is difficult and I feel like if you don't talk about your experience, because at least myself when I was acknowledging like, hey, okay, I think I need help from the disability office, um, at least, the, or is that the student services you're talking about too? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure, because I wasn't sure if there was like a separate, yeah. um, you know, medical office. But yeah, I, I think really acknowledging that and almost honoring it and taking care of myself first. I was like, like when I, like, I think, I think I actually initially had registered right when I came to campus because um, in, a, in a little bit of a different way, my condition has been diagnosed since I was age 11. So I've always had it. I've always registered with like, the guidance counselors or the nurse or whatever it was at the time. Um, but when I came to college, I was actually baffled with the teacher's response because, you know, I looked relatively fine. Um, and that is something that, one, it irked me. And right. two, I feel like it set a fire in me to be like, this is not okay. And this is why I'm going to start talking about it. And not only that, but like you're saying, it was not 
really accessible and it was not necessarily even easy to go through the process of setting everything up and then having there be this kind of relationship the essentially the disability office at i hope any university but at our university is there to act kind of as this liaison between the student and the teacher to convey those messages and a lot of the times i feel like the teachers want to cut them out oh did, did it um Sorry, yeah, someone was trying to call, but no worries. I think it's oh, good now. No worries. I, I was just saying, like, you know, it. I feel like between the students and the teachers, this, the teachers want to make it like, I want to hear it from the student or else I don't believe it. And the disability office is like, no, 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 we are representing the student. Like, believe it, um, despite what it can look like. So that's kind of what I experienced. And I thought it, it was really awful. I, oh, my gosh. There's a stink bug. Ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You're gonna, oh my gosh, this is so funny. Last night, I promise we'll get right back to our combo. I just gotta, I gotta get this guy and I gotta let him out. I gotta let him out. <laughs> I've been, um, wait, do I, shoot. I'm just gonna trap it. Okay. <laughs> I trapped it. And I'm good. <laughs> Last, we, it's been really nice in New York City, so we've been leaving our windows open, and last night, I was in the middle, I was ending class, because um, I'm getting my master's now, and I see this bug flailing around my room, and I, like, freaked out, and then it disappeared, I couldn't find it. Last night, as I was going to sleep, comes up again, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? So anyway, oh, just like to keep well, it, I'm glad you know it. guys, I'm glad that <laughs> happened on camera, so I can, uh... <laughs> all y'all you guys watch that on replay um stink bugs aren't that scary anyway you just have to get them outside but anyway back to what I was saying I was so frustrated and I knew I had a voice and I think this is like the inner advocate and activist in me which I know I would love to hear about your journey with this too is like I know how to curate stories visually um and I never necessarily knew my like purpose until I went through this really tough moment in this really low low of like, my health is failing me. Um, my friends don't, I don't know, they're not being supportive. They don't understand whatever it was at the time. Um, my teachers aren't believing me. My family is 3000 miles away across the country. And I'm all alone without a support system. How can I articulate what I'm feeling. And for me, that was creating art and also talking about it on social media. Um, so that's, that's kind of like how I think my challenge at USC got sparked. What was really that, that pivotal moment for you where you started acting out more on social media and, and being a, a stronger activist? Yeah, I think I really resonate with your reason too. It's the fact that, you know, at the time, not a lot of people really understand what you're going through. Um, you know, your friends can be there to an extent, your family can be there to an extent, but at the end of the day, you and other cancer patients are the only ones who really know what it's like. Um, and not just even like with the physical changes, but the emotional changes too. And I felt like sharing like what I was going through helped me also comprehend and cope with it too, because I was able to articulate what I was feeling and it, it was really scary to do it like super publicly, but I think the way I did it, I wouldn't change it at all because I got to meet so many other people going through the same thing, especially during a pandemic. 
there's no interaction. And even if there wasn't a pandemic, I would have, you know, I still had very low blood cell count. So a uh, white blood cell count. So like I could not really see people in person at all. And so I took to social media and like talking about it one, because I felt like I don't feel like people understand like what this is truly like. If I can share part of my, you know, journey, like I hope that, you know, this idea of cancer and illness at such a young age becomes like demystified. And it's, it's something that can happen to anyone. And that was really important to me. Like this can happen to anyone, you know, and I think so many people are either directly or indirectly, you know, affected by cancer, yet there's still little conversations about the ways in which we talk about it. And, you know, the ways in which, you know, it seems like this big, scary thing, and it is, but I think it's something that needs to be talked about. Um, and so that's kind of why I did it. And honestly, I, when I was first diagnosed, I had no intention with sharing it. My Instagram prior to cancer was like, you know, let me post the most photogenic photo of me with the filter, make everything picture perfect. Like, I wanted my life to be picture perfect. And my Instagram, like, was just something, you know, like, cute and fun to show that. And I think when cancer hit me, I started to, like, look at myself more authentically. And I think that it made me super uncomfortable to share certain things. But I think at the end of the day, I think it pushed me to be more real with myself. And I think people saw that too. Yeah, I, I really love that. And I think one other thing that you mentioned is like talking about cancer or disability, people see it as this big bad thing, but really it just, it causes us to, um, just function really differently than other people and almost like you know I, I don't know how how else to describe it but like you get through every day moving forward because you've lived your worst you your worst and um I know I I really try to think of it that way and um you you mentioned one other thing I have really bad brain fog all of a sudden and I'm you're, I get that too. <laughs> so, so, oh, right. About how every single day, you know, going into, I guess, the pandemic, like people don't realize that that's kind of what life for chronically ill people or people with low blood cell counts. Um, that's like every day, you know, like going to these doctor's appointments, constantly living in this state of almost paranoia, like when is this doc what is this doctor's appointment going to tell me is it a life-threatening condition is it going to be some altering treatment that i'm going to have to get what are the side effects how long is this going to take am i always going to be in pain um you know those are things that we think about every single day on top of school on top of friends on top of life and it's really freaking exhausting so what do you do to combat all of that, um, you know, anxiety, health anxiety and that pressure um, in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, it was really hard when the pandemic hit. And I was so frustrated that everyone was like complaining about it. And I felt like I was not even heard more because it was like, this has been my life for like, what, at that point, like two months, I was, I didn't even leave the house because I couldn't. And so it was just really, it felt almost, although it seems like, you know, like this whole slogan of we're all in this together, I, it felt more isolating than ever because no one right. truly, really understood it. And yeah. yeah, taking, like talking about it on social media really helped because I felt like I got to control a narrative that um, 
I wanted to accurately portray like how I was feeling and take back some sort of agency over the situation where you feel like you don't have any control. Um, I think that that's really what kept me steady too. And like the fact that, you know, there's so many uncontrollable factors with the diagnosis and then with the diagnosis in a pandemic, being able to control somewhat of how I share my story and like mm -hmm. what I feel like needs to be said about, you know, that really doesn't really conversations that don't really happen around um, health and healing and being diagnosed with an illness. I felt like that kind of eased my anxiety. But I, I also think that just finding people who have gone through the same thing, which would have only happened through sharing my story on social media. That's how I got right. connected to these people. And yeah. I can like, there's like a level of comfort that's just so unexplainable, knowing that like, there are other people who've gone through the same thing. And I turn to them when I'm afraid of, you know, going to like a hospital appointment with a really, you know, big scan coming up. That's, you know, mm -hmm. a six, like I, I actually have a scan coming up next in two weeks. And so like, I know like I, who to reach out to. And I think it's really important to know, you know, with anything you're going through, like the types of people you're reaching out to, because I think that every, there's a specific type of person that you want to go to when you experience something that's so yeah. specific and I don't think it's that's what I really learned too is that like everyone's there to support you but there's going to be people who you need to call on specifically for certain events in your life yeah I love that and I totally resonate with the fact that in the past year I started sharing my story a little bit more intimately and really growing that online community and meeting such incredible people who've gone through the same thing. So I'm glad to hear that you've also grown that way and you found other people because, you know, I think when people come up with these like ideas of like, oh, join a Facebook support group or like, you know, something there's this like, oh, like kind of like weird feeling about it, especially when there's like, there can be hundreds of thousands of people in these support groups. Um, I usually just like look at them because they honestly, they, they sometimes reassure me because people post really random things about like their conditions and what. And when you have a giant network of people and their opinions, it can be very difficult to manage your own expectations and feel confident in it but it also does give you that comforting sense of the other and knowing that you aren't alone um, and with that I just want to thank you so much Kavita you are incredible um, I'm so proud of you your work is amazing if you want to connect and follow Kavita all you have to do is find her at kavita.rai on Instagram. I hope you all loved and enjoyed this episode. She is so incredible and I hope you are following along on her journey as well. She is so inspiring and also a fellow Trojan so that is just another bonding thing that I think is really awesome but again this was an awesome episode. I hope you learned something and took something away and I can't wait for all of you to tune in next time. Bye! Thanks so much for listening to Everything You Need Is Within the Archive series. I hope that you found value and I hope that you leave us a review or send us a message about what you thought of the show.